Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Hurling Podcast with your host, Mark Kennedy. I have uh, Rory Walsh and Karen Collins with me tonight. How are things, lads? Hi, Mark. Very good, Mark. Very good, very good. Uh, in this podcast, we'll be kind of looking at the underage uh, competitions in Munster and Leinster. There have been some outstanding ties in recent weeks. We'll run the rule over some semi-finals that have taken place in Leinster and Munster in the Hurling. Uh, we'll also look at the action from the Munster and Leinster Senior Hurling Championship last weekend. Cold War has started between Galway and Kilkenny after that infamous handshake. And also looking at kind of Clare with their uh, superb win over Cork in Tardis. And also a review of uh, Limerick and Tip uh, this weekend. So I suppose, lads, we might go with the minors. Munster first. Rory, we'll get you in uh, from Six Mile Bridge. What a contrast 12 months can make. Uh, for the final between Cork and Clare 12 months ago. Bit of a humiliation for Clare Miners, but roll the clock on 12 months and uh, yeah, a great win uh, for Clare. Yeah, so overall, it's a 43-point turnaround. Like last year, Clare lost the Cork by 40 points. Now, what wasn't an exceptional Cork team and, you know, Clare probably weren't 40 points worse than them either, but on the day, as you know, with underage, these things can happen and uh, to turn it around this year and go down and beat them down in their own yard by three points was a huge victory and they're actually well worth it. Like, uh, watch the game there Tuesday night and, um, like, Clare kind of led, t- took lead early in the first half and kind of held on to that lead. I know Cork came back at them at times and Clare kept that gap of 3.4 points the whole way through. Um, yeah, and played a, a wonderful style of play. And that, uh, what I really admired about them is the half-forward line really worked their socks off. And if you can get at that age a half-forward line that will get up and down the pitch, it's it's a huge benefit for a team. And they just were kind of composed on the ball. Um, you know, especially like the, the car crowd were beginning to roar and when they were coming back at them, especially in the last few minutes. But Claire kept their composure. And for 17-year-olds to do that, as I mentioned, away from home, it was just, you know, well done for them. And Tipperary now in the final as well. And um, probably two teams that wouldn't have been fancied going into the Munster Championship that they would end up as the final pairing. But... Um, yeah, well done to both of them. And uh, Tipperary had a massive win over Waterford. Um, yeah, Waterford were a small bit of a yo-yo team in the minor championship this year. They uh, they lost the tip just by a point in the first game. Then went up and got hammered by Clare and Ennis. Then went down to Kilmallock and hammered Limerick. And then went and got hammered by Tipperary again in the semi-final. So yeah, it's one thing like I, I've noticed with this kind of age is that you don't know what you're going to get any single day. Like consistency isn't really quite there yet with 16, 17-year-olds, um, which, you know, a lot of the guys are actually 16, not even haven't even turned 17 yet. Um, so yeah, it, it's still a developmental phase, but at the same time, for Clare to the, the main headline to overturn a 43 point deficit in, in a, I was going to say a year, but less than a year, considering the minor championships played a bit later in the summer last year, 10 months, let's say, is some going like. So well done to Brian O'Connell, the former Clare Herder, Wolf Tones, and his management team. Um, yeah, huge huge performance and I suppose with the 20s we just kind of spoke about it before we came on air the Clare 20s ran Limerick so close and Limerick had Cahill O'Neill that night you conceivably could have had Clare there thereabouts in minor 2020s and they're not quite there at senior yet but they're going well so far so yeah and and with hearty cup success for for Tala such it just shows how things can swing very quickly once things get right it doesn't take the four or five years as people often say five-year plans it can actually change quite quickly and it has for Clare this year so yeah well done absolutely Kieran uh bring you in there anyway uh what were your impressions I, on those minor minor games I think if you're looking at Clare the change around from last year to this year you could say the same about Cork in in the other direction you know all the talk last year the rebel treble and all the youth that was up and coming you know and to be probably, you know, fair to say, out of all three competitions, minor, 20s and, and senior, fair chance of senior, um, come the end of May, middle end of May. So, um, you know, just looking at the match last night, uh, I suppose like Limerick and Tip, two, two impressive teams really went at it. Um, I think Limerick probably just had the greater firepower and took the scores under pressure more than Tip. You know, they kind of always kept Tip at arm's length. And... Uh, I think the, the the before half time, you know, the scoring seven of the last nine points, I suppose, you know, was a, a big plus going in seven ahead. 
I think it's it's hard on the likes of Cahill O'Neill, you know, he would have played with these guys all the way up along underage and then, you know, to get to a provincial final and to, to be watching from the sideline, um, you know, being penalised for being one of the best, you know, I, don't, I think that rule has to change. It's it's not fair on guys like him. Um, but I think, you know, Limerick and Tipperary looking, there is, you know, plenty of good young lads there. I think Kyle Shelley for Tipperary look impressive. Leamy, uh, Paddy Creedon as well, you know. So, you know, these Tipperary are going to need these guys coming through. And I think, you know, everything will have to be done for... And the Tipperary Miners looks good as well, but the, like these guys are going to have to be given every opportunity and and all the support they can give them because in re, in reality they're going to need them. Um, from a Limerick point of view, I think you know Shane O'Brien, first year of the minor, you know, really really impressive. You know that guy, like he's just going to get better and better. Uh, same with Aidan O'Connor, Jimmy Quilty, Adam English. Um, you know Adam English, I suppose his name has been in the headlights up to now. Can be a little bit of frustration. He kind of goes missing, but you know, super, super goal. Um, kind of went missing a bit in the middle for me, but I thought he finished very strong the last five or seven minutes. He was everywhere. Um, so I suppose, look, from a Limerick point of view, uh, everything's going well. Uh, you know, you need to be breeding young lads every year. You need one or two or three coming through. And you know, from watching last night's performance, you know, uh, there'll be, I think, definitely. Two or three that you could pick out to to start into a senior panel possibly next year. Absolutely, and I think as well the fact that some of that under twenty Limerick team hadn't really featured in the academy that have kind of broken in is probably a nice little inspirational story for any aspiring Limerick underage player that you still have the chance, you still have the opportunity to stake a claim into an intercounty team that the scouting networks are pretty pretty much improved in Limerick, I suppose, when I was playing. When I was a bit of a grasshopper, it maybe wasn't the case in terms of coaching setups, but it seems to be Limerick's coding network now in terms of the talent. It just seems to be phenomenal now. Like even Scully from Benog, just an incredible player, really, um, there that's really kind of burst on the scene. Um, but I suppose even going back to Tipperary and even the minors, I mean, Tom Delaney's performance in midweek, one twelve from play, the care um, clubman, I've watched the highlights and thought that was a sensational performance. And to be fair to kind of Tipperary, the last few days, even though the under-20s, as you said here, Karen, there's an awful lot of good talent coming through here, strength conditioning. You can see, particularly with Brendan Cummins in charge of the under-20s, the skill set was pretty much on point. Maybe Tipperary a little bit guilty at times last night of kind of maybe looking for goals instead of going for points uh, to a certain extent. But... I think the future is quite rosy for Tipperary underage hurling, really. You know, into a Munster minor final, under 20s, competed very well against a very good under 20 team. So I think it's all not doom and gloom uh, for Tipperary uh, going into the next few years, uh, Roy. Yeah, at the game last night, it was one thing, like Tip's touch and striking was so good. Like they were, uh, they were really sharp. Um, and uh, as Kieran said, Kyle Shelley, excellent, and I'm surprised he was taken off. Actually, I know maybe he had a knock that we, uh, you know, couldn't see from the stands. But um, I just thought as well, uh, Tip, you're right. What you said, Mark, very early in the game, Tip were going for goals early, and sometimes when they weren't on, and uh, you just wonder at the end when it became so tight, had they taken their points early on, like it, it was kind of crucial down the stretch. Another thing I suppose is free taking, and Aidan O'Connor for Limerick nailed every free, and Tipperary had missed uh, missed those couple. Uh, one or two that were probably, you know, ones that probably sh- should have been should have been scored. I didn't know. One thing that really impressed me with Tip was, it was, it was something that reminded me of, you know, when you see Callan and, and Bubbles back in the day, a uh, whipping ball across, just kind of a crossfield pass. They nailed those yesterday, and it just opened up Limerick once or twice, where you, you're for sure, you know, the forward by the side is going to take his point, and suddenly he changes direction and, you know, hits a strike to hand 30, 40 yards. And, and it was obviously something they had clearly worked on because they didn't just do it once, twice, maybe three or four times. And in fact, their goal in the second half came from one of those strikes across as well. And it, it just, it, it's a great kind of ploy. And it's something that you don't see a lot of teams doing. It's just, you know, the point is on, but change direction, whip a ball across, and suddenly you have a, a runner coming through the middle. And um, I, I, yeah, I, I must say I was impressed with Tip. And as we said, look, okay, it looks like doom and gloom for their senior team. And I suppose we'll get onto it later. Um, the possible trouble they could be in at the weekend, especially if Limerick have Flanagan and Hayes returning. We'll get onto that later, but there is huge hope with their minors and other 20s. Um, yeah, to go down like, and they could easily, like last night, could easily have won the game as well. 
you know, and, and it took everything from Limerick, 12 different scorers from the Limerick team. Um, every time Tip got back to two points, Limerick, you know, found that extra bit. And again, we spoke about composure from the clear minors, but the Limerick 20s had it in spades last night. And as Kieran said, Adam English, who had gone missing suddenly, like when, when things really needed, he went back deeper and won some dirty ball near the end. And, um, you know, crucial things. Another small thing as well for Limerick, uh, Paddy O'Donovan, who um, really talented forward has been injured with a hamstring injury basically all year. And he came on first ball, he scored a point. And I thought he was about quite clever after that. He's only going to get better. Like he's just back into training and it'll be a boost for him going into the Ireland final. He'll have another two weeks training under his belt. And yeah, it was mentioned, I suppose, that this is a Limerick team without Dermot Hegarty, who scored one three in the Munster under 20 final last year. Cahill O'Neill, as Karen pointed out. Liam Lynch, who was a star for the Munger Intermediate team. Uh, unfortunately, he had a cruciate injury as well. So they were down like big players. And I know Tipperary, unfortunately, lost Ed Connolly from Lockmore. Yeah, exactly. The week. Yeah, who had scored two points in the semi from Mingford in semi final and was going quite well for them. I think he picked up the injury in the 64th minute of the semi final. So talk about unlucky timing. Um, so yeah, look, uh, I suppose both teams could could point could point injuries inside, but I just thought it was a tremendous game. Um, everything you want to see in, in Harlan, especially at that age, like both teams going for it, skill level really high, work rate immense, and two teams, you know, like there was times I suppose where Tipperary were down seven points, eight points, and you thought, you know, Limerick could go on here and win by ten, but they also dug it out and made a match for two or three times during the game, and coming down the stretch, yeah, it, it, it could have been anyone's game with two minutes to go of normal time. I think that's the thing about the under twenties, you know, they're not as bogged down with systems and you know and plays that they're you know that they're drilled into and trained, you know. I suppose the managements have these players for a short time and you know it's it's good loose hurling and you know end to end stuff and you know it, it's it's great to watch compared to some of the, the senior games that are being put on these days, I think. Absolutely. No, I mean it was very enjoyable watching. And viewing really to be fair and you know i think congrats to all teams there and i think for clare underage as well it's a superb story from 12 months ago and again for clare minors you know and into a big dance all ireland series minimum quarterfinal round robin with galway and the leinster runners up and maybe we can get to the leinster minor hurling championship i know it's very much into quarterfinal stages but there has been a few notable results here particularly on emerging counties uh namely leash uh pulling up a lovely result against Wexford uh, in Omar Park, 213-38. And awfully, I know, Rory, you've tipped pretty heavy here on this podcast series, a team that could go places, um, gave a nice performance against Antrim in the quarterfinal. Again, both Wexford and Offaly going into the semifinals now against Dublin Kilkenny. And I think they're two very attractive ties, I think, uh, given the form of Leash and Offaly in those quarterfinals. Um, I don't know, Rory, if you want to come in, in terms of Offaly. Um You've seen them up close and personal with a few challenge games with Limerick this year. Um, how would you fancy their chances uh, going into kind of that Leinster semi-final? Yeah, like you know, from from a Limerick point of view, going into Munster Championship, I suppose like we, we thought we, we thought we'd been going quite well in challenge games. They performed really well against Galway, uh, Wexford, Kilkenny, and the one crowd that you know, um, I suppose like gave us a bit of a trim and were awfully and, uh, and and it wasn't like you could say oh. You know, point to certain things. They were a really good team, and so I was keeping an eye out for them in, in the Leinster Championship. And funny enough, like uh, we played Leash as well, and it's gas like challenge matches. You can't judge. We'd have thought, oh well, Wexford would be a good bit ahead of Leash or whatever. But uh, there was two games in a row. Offaly beat Leash just by a goal, which was first sign that Leash were not so bad after all. And then Leash turning over Wexford, um, like that was a huge shock from my own point of view. I haven't seen both teams, but you just don't know what you'll actually get in Championship Day with players. But I suppose that's two good performances from Leash. Because this Offaly team are, are serious, like, and um, yeah, they're going to be, they're going to be, possibly, it's very even actually, because as we saw in in the group stage, Dublin beat Wexford, we, sorry, Wexford beat Dublin, then uh, Kilkenny beat Wexford, and then Dublin beat Kilkenny. So just shows how even those teams were, and then have Offaly and Leash thrown into the mix. Who would come from? They had a round robin group between Offaly, Leash, and Kildare. Um, kind of like a tier two and for those two teams to come in and completely upset things like it's made for a great Leinster championship over there and um, yeah I, I actually couldn't I, John I, I'd probably nearly fancy Offaly out of the teams left in it but it wouldn't surprise me who'd win it from here like and uh, again well done to Leash as we were saying like we we're talking about them in the podcast a couple of times and saying how they were producing these performances at senior level from nowhere to avoid relegation but it's great to see them now have an actual team take a big scalp like to take Wexford 
scalping a you know a knockout Leinster minor championship match is a huge win for them, and that's what they need actually. And they had a very good under twenties team as well this year. We had uh, two lads in UL, Ian Shanahan captained the UL Fresher two team centre back, and uh, he's been called into the Wexford seat or to the Lee senior panel. And for them to, I think it was a point Wexford beat them, and Wexford now in the Leinster final. So it just shows that's two. It's not just one off team Leash have like they have a minor team and an under twenties team, you know, coming through together. So. Yeah, hopefully these guys will push through to senior and because we need more teams at the top table, especially in Leinster at the moment, I think. Absolutely. Karen, can we come and bring you in? Because I know you're based on Wexford. What was the general reaction to that uh, leash loss uh, for the Wexford Miners? Because, you know, considering St. Peter's, you know, it's good secondary school systems down on Wexford. Maybe, you know, was the reaction kind of a general shock or any kind of general reaction down there? Yeah, I think because it was a late goal as well, Leash scored to to win it. Um, I think there was a, there were a lot of disappointment over all all three games really because I think they were expecting. They, I think they might have thought they were a bit better than what they were or what they showed. You know, and I suppose if you're looking forward, like the under twenties, okay, they're in the Leicester final. I don't know how good that team is, and I think, you know, looking at the bookies odds, I think Kilkenny are you know clear favourites for it, and you know how good like. You know, there is a lot of, I suppose, elder statesmen in the extra team that, you know, they need young guys stepping up. And, you know, it, it's hard to see, I suppose, the under-20 team, you wouldn't have picked out too many against Dublin to to take the jump to, to senior straight away. Like. Mm. That Wexford team beat Kilkenny. I know it was three years ago and a lot has changed, but they wouldn't have that fear of Kilkenny maybe because they have been beaten underage, but... Looking at both games, yeah, they look to be the Galway Kilkenny game did seem to be, you know, a level above the Wexford Dublin game. Dublin game yeah. Sometimes it, it's hard to judge in semi-finals as well. And as I said, Wexford won't fear them either because they've had their number in the past. Yeah, absolutely. Because few of the Galway locals I've been talking to were at that game in Omar Park on Monday, and they're still scratching their head how they actually lost this game, being five points up, pretty close to the end of the game. Now all credit to Kilkenny. You know, you can't really kind of put a Kilkenny team away until the very last ball, the very final whistle, and maybe Galway were a little bit guilty of maybe over-defending a little bit, but Drennan with 17 points was huge. Um, the goalkeeper for Kilkenny as well, didn't he? Saved two penalties as well. So, yeah, that was probably one of the games of the year, I think, in terms of a more park between Kilkenny and Galway. But I suppose Wexford do have a, a pretty much a gem and burn. Like, I mean, 3-5... Uh, in the minors and then chips in with 10 points um, a freeze 165 um, in the under 20 result against Dublin and, and we all know that Dublin have a very strong underage hurling system so I mean there was nothing from what the match reports that I've seen it was very physical and I mean that's going to be brought to the table again on Monday uh, when Wexford play Kilkenny so um, yeah I wouldn't be so doom and gloom uh, there Kieran, in terms of Wexford I think as Rory rightly pointed out three years ago that form guide I think an awful lot of nucleus of that team is still there so you know they should put up a good account of themselves against a very talented Kilkenny side but you'd wonder as well with Kilkenny how much is that taken out of them as well in terms of that extra time because there was an awful lot of physicality in that Galway uh, game as well but I think it's all setting up quite nicely there in the under 20s particularly whoever wins that facing Limerick you know in a, an All-Ireland final because it's a straight straight in so you know, you're really only 60 minutes away from uh, all Ireland glory from then. So, look, best of luck to Wexford and Kilkenny in the provincial final, and we'll probably preview uh, the under 20s all Ireland hurling final in the next few weeks. Um, guys, we might move on uh, to the senior hurling championship. Rory, I know you're mad to talk about uh, Turles, uh last weekend. Ed Sheeran, uh, you know, prompted the all move to Turles. You'd reckon about the motivational talks, but uh, in fairness to Clare. I thought they were really deserving winners on the day against a Cork team where the role failings really did come back to haunt them. Yeah, and to begin with, like uh, the amount of people that were saying, oh, Cork love Thurless before the game, but like that's a traditional thing going back years, but Clare had won their last three championship games in Thurless. That's a big deal going in there Like for the present bunch of players. They obviously love playing their B. Waterford, Wexford, and then tipped just a week before. And having a dry run with the tip game, you know, going in there a week later when you're familiar with the dressing room, familiar with everything and have your, your timings nailed for things like that. It's no surprise like that Claire started so well in the game. Um, with those things, with those factors, um, it definitely gave them a bit of an advantage. And like, I think it's massive that Cork lost home advantage there. To go down and I know 
uh, Limerick who've had this kind of, uh, uh, let's say, who design over Cork and have been well able for them the last couple of years, but it's been the opposite for Clare. Clare have really struggled against Cork of late and to then have this game in Thurles in a, in a venue where this Clare team obviously love playing is just a, you know, a huge boost for them. And uh, yeah, like as I mentioned, going back into the league, um, like it started kind of, Clare had a, started with a load of injuries and I remember got walloped by Cork in the round and I was getting worried about the Clare backs and and it was the game against Limerick where they kind of, the back settled the, that day, that game in Ennis. And you, I know you could say, oh, Lee game and Limerick were trying really hard whatever, but it was just the fact that the Clare backs looked organised and um, puck out strategy seemed to be working for them. And that like gives confidence to the whole team then that, you know, when your backs are solid or solider anyway, you know, it does give give confidence out throughout the team. And uh, yeah, it was some display from the forwards, just uh the shooting from range early on was incredible. Like they were scoring points from all angles. Like and um, you know, Cork maybe sitting deep saying, okay, we won't give up goals today. But like Claire were able to fire over points from the half hour line midfield at will. Cahill Malone got three points. David Fitzgerald points from distance. Um, Shane O'Donnell again, and even David McInerney from half back chipped in with another point. And it was just, it was just, you know, it was a, uh, it was, it was some display. Now. The worrying aspect again is that Claire gave up a lead and let Cork back into it because this has been a trend. Um, like even against Tipperary the week before, they were up 13 points, and you're thinking like if this was Limerick, they'd go on and like crush the game. But Tip got it back to five points at one stage, and had they got a goal then, and they had goal chances, Tip, you know, Claire had let them back into a position where they should never have been. Last year, Claire were up 111 to three points against Wexford, and just won by three points in the end. So that was another one. Uh, and then even last year against Waterford, Clare were up nine points at half time in the Munster Championship and only held on by four. So it's something that's worrying is that they can't seem to like, you don't have that killer instinct. They can't seem to put away teams. But um, that would, you know, uh, if you had said at the start of the championship two weeks ago, Clare would have Tip and Cork beaten in the first two rounds, you know, in both games outside of Venice, you know, you'd have, yeah, it's streamlined in a way. And I know everyone is saying, oh, well, Tip are, in dire straits and Cork are in dire straits and maybe they, they are in dire straits because of the two defeats they have to clear really because they're being talked up after the Waterford game Tipware and uh, yeah now um, both both teams are in a position where they can't afford another slip up uh, you know Cork can Cork beat Waterford maybe but overall like Clare are kind of sitting happy now and they have two home games to come win one of them in the Beano Munster final so great spot to be in Rory to be perfectly fair Karen, we'll bring you in here what was your kind of reaction to, I suppose, Clare first, but uh, secondly, Cork, the form line for Waterford maybe is a little bit undermined, I think, given Cork's performances in the championship so far. But what's your um, reaction, I suppose, to both teams uh, last Sunday? I think <clears throat> coming into last week, there was word that Cork were locked away in Fota and, you know, everyone was expecting to bite back, but... Oh, James, they must have been playing golf all week because not a whole lot changed for me, you know, like um, positional changes, players' positional changes, um, but the same, same intensity, same, you know, work rate for tackling, you know, nothing changed from the Waterford game. Uh, we saw, you know, everyone was talking about Mark Holman, okay, they bought him out of centre-back and Kieran Joyce has gone in there, which is probably going to be a long-term solution, but you know, the, I, I was expecting a different card to what I saw against Waterford and against Limerick, and it just wasn't really. Um, it was a two-point hammering. Like, you know, Clare were by far the better team. I know Cork rallied at different points, I suppose, before half time They closed the gap to, to six points. You know, Clare put on again. But to, for me, the, the turning point was, you know, when Ian Galvin was sent off, Clare rattled off the next three points in a row after that, you know, and that's huge. You know, that's should have been advantage Cork, but I think Clare just turned it back around again straight away. I think it was looking back at it, it, it wasn't a red card. I, I don't think Mark Keynes was either. I think the um, referee made two bad decisions there. I don't know actually, had they been overturned or I didn't hear anything since about them, but yeah, I look Clare or absolutely, you know, they just you know they're just on, on top form like again Ryan Taylor like David Fitzgerald like having Duggan back there is just massive you know the, the work he's doing the chaos he's, he's causing in there um, obviously Tony Kelly buzzing around 10 points from play uh, you know 
uh, Rory Hayes, you know, geez, this guy, like, if he keeps going, he's, mm. you know, all-star guaranteed, I'd say, you know. Um, I know, even though it's a bit early talking all-stars. But, like, for Cork, like, certain things you question, like, Jack O'Connor clearly wasn't in form, you know, why was he started over Alan Connolly? You know, I think Alan Connolly showed definitely in the Kilkenny game, but different stages of seeing him, like, he showed a bit of class that, and a, a difference to what the other Cork forwards were. And a bit of fight as well. Yeah, and, and strength, even to, like his goal showed that, like he held off the tackles and, and you know, and, and got the goal in, like, uh, like Cork, three different fullbacks the last three matches they've played, you know, like these teams, like everyone knows from, from the, from, from one to 15, you need consistency and consistency in your, your spine. So your, your three, six up along, um, you know, I just, I thought there was going to be a bite back in Cork. I, I, Called Cork last week. It was really close for me because Claire didn't press me the first day out. But you know, I just really, really surprised. I thought it would have been more, you know, a work rate from especially the half forward line midfield. But it wasn't. The Clare were moving the ball up to the lines, and there wasn't a glove laid on. They they weren't touched. Cork looked like a team that were condemned from a long way out. I mean, there was there. I said the Darrells giving goal at the end to maybe embellish the scoreline a little bit you know if you didn't look at the game two point loss fair enough but I think Clare got the matchup spot on in terms of the half back line midfield and half forward line and in fairness to that Clare half forward line and midfield they do have pace to counteract what Cork would bring to the table in terms of the run game and I think to be perfectly fair Rory um, you've kind of called it out here like I thought Cahill Malone was absolutely superb on the day in midfield really marshaled things so well but then when you have that half forward line containing Shane O'Donnell and Tony Kelly and if you're going to give them guys space I mean they're going to absolutely destroy and so it kind of proved uh, I thought it was a, from Brian Lohan James Moore and the rest of the management staff I thought it was a really superb management performance from Clare to get over the line here Yeah and, and there was one stage where the where um, Collins and goal for Cork like I felt sorry for him because he couldn't hook it anywhere because Every time he booked it, if he if he went short, like Claire were just swarming them, turning it over. When he went to go along, the likes of Ryan Taylor were just using the pace, getting a hurry to, to intercept. And then, so there was one stage like where I'd say, I don't know, maybe there was seven puckouts in a row where just Cork couldn't get the ball past midfield. And like that's no platform to to win a game. And like we mentioned this before, like Patrick Horgan is getting away with a lot because of his talent. And there was a time four or five years ago where you get away with a forward who didn't, you know, no work off the ball because he was scoring five or six points from play. He's no longer doing that. So, like, it's a huge call for Cork, like, and the fans love him and everything. But really, Kingston should have looked at the All-Ireland final last year. The game in Parky Cueva made a tough decision to say, we can no longer afford to start Oregon. We need workers in the forward line. Um, because that's the main, like, I mentioned this today. Uh, it was down at Parky Cueva for the Limerick and Cork game. When Cork backs had the ball, the pressure the Limerick forwards are putting them under it was like an opposite. It was like a different sport when Limerick had the ball over other end and were just let work the ball out because there was no effort from the Cork forwards. And the fact this happened again at the weekend, you're just thinking it's not a case that the players weren't up for it. It's just they're not capable of doing it. I think I'd love to see their training games, Cork. It must be just you know, three thirty-five to whatever. Pure hurt, natural hurling. Yeah, yeah, probably great to watch. You're down to watch, but. Obviously, like there's very little tackling coming in, and um, James mentioned, uh, I think it's started here as well about the likes of Bill Cooper going, and you know, lads kind of Bill Cooper, how did he fit in with that Cork team? But he fitted in because he was doing donkey's work for them, breaking ball and you know doing all the dirty stuff, and they've nobody to do that now. It's just you know forwards that are hoping that they'll get space and that you know they'll be able to score from outside the man because yeah, it's it's. I'd love to say that there's going to be a reaction in Cork and that they'll go now and no, look, in sport anything can happen but the indicator, unless he completely rejigs the forward line like the indicators are that those six forwards it's not in them to to do the dirty work and do the tackling and all that it's, they just want a, an, an, a, you know, an open game where yeah, where, where, where you know, there'll be zero contact basically, they, they, they want no contact hurling and you're not going to get that in Munster Championship as they found out in the first two rounds. Yeah, they do want to get up to speed. Like, it's not something that can be changed, you know, from one game to the next. You know, there's a obviously a physical presence that's not there either, you know, and that's going to take a lot of work over possibly a two, one, two, three-year period. Um, 
just on Hargan, I think Hargan probably did have one of his better games scoring wise. You know, as because the last few games he mm-hmm. had me score from play. I think he had, you know, he had four from play maybe. But, but he, he missed. Uh, he actually missed some easy frees, which you know at the end I know that we were saying that two points flattered them, but. He missed some frees that he normally wouldn't either. Like, and if he's kind of in there for free taking, I thought Connor Cleary did very well in him. He got one great point coming out the field over his shoulder, all right, but he's pretty kind of well marshaled. Kind of went, had you a forward in there who would chip in with a couple of points, but also work harder. Like, it's just kind of unbelievable that the pick Cork have and that they can find a few forwards that do a bit of work for them. I don't think anyone's going to question them either going forward. You know, it's the. The work that defensively is it's, mm. it's the is where the question marks are. Um, it's like they all want to score, they all want to run a goal, but none of them want to trace back and and defend their own goal. So, yeah, it's very indicative though. Cork senior hurling championship games that I watch, particularly around the pandemic times, it's very free flowing hurling. I mean, there's not much physicality involved here. It's you know, you know, the skill sets there. You know, you beat your man. There's not much. I wouldn't say physicality compared to maybe a Limerick or a Clare or a Galway Championship that I was also seeing an awful lot of. Very much, you know, very high-scoring games. So, I mean, from that perspective, it's kind of set the tone for the seniors here as well, a little bit. But I think the Warren things mark are there when you see Munster Club. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, apart from Newtown Chandram, who are a one-off exceptional team, no car club has won a Munster since the 80s. Yeah. Apart from Newtown Chandram, like, that's shocking, like. And uh, even the last few years, like you saw Kilmallock this year, you know, walk the game like. And uh, yeah, it's it's just something. And I think it does come down to club hurling there. Like you're throwing guys into a county team trying to say, OK, you have to work hard and tackle. But club championship doesn't happen. But I think a lot of it as well is down to the refereeing in the county. You know, so like I think it's all it's, it's well known, like the Kilkenny club championship. I think there's basically no referees there. You know, it's like a free for all, you know, the Cody practice games, the A and B games, you know, I'd say the whistle doesn't get blown too often. Yeah. So I think it comes down to that is that what Cork are used to getting freeze for and then when they come in against the the big physical teams and they're just not used to it and they're they're getting blown away. Absolutely. Um yeah, I know I hear fantastic result for Clare. I mean Cork, their backs against the wall completely. I think even Karen Kingston looked very resigned to maybe their fate in a few weeks. Um, that interview post-game just didn't inspire much confidence. I was speaking to James kind of after the game. I think it was, it just didn't set pulses racing down in Cork that there would be any kind of response going down to Waterford. But let's see. I suppose we can move on to the Leinster Hurling Championship, uh, guys. I mean, there was three games for decision. I mean, Leash again had a very competitive first half against Wexford, one ten to seven points down. But, Unfortunately, the wheels went off uh, the wagon fairly quickly for Leash in the second half. Uh, uh, 5-11 conceded in that second half to Wexford. Mark Fanning scoring 2-1, uh, two penalties, one free. Again, 6-21 to set 12 points. I mean, another kind of heavy loss for Leash, so a bit of a regroup required there. And in fairness to Westmead, they were competitive for good long periods against Dublin. But again, Donald Burke again coming huge, 11 points, 7 from freeze. Rain McBreed chipping in with 6 points from play. Chris Crummy with 3. 27 points was a good haul for Dublin. Resets themselves up perfectly uh, for the remainder of Leinster Hurling Championship. So then we'll focus in on Salt Hill, guys, and I know handshake aside. Um, an exciting championship game between Kilkenny and Galway. I don't know what your thoughts were in terms of the overall quality of it. Um, you know, it ebbed and flowed throughout and maybe maybe a controversial ending at the end. But uh, what were your overriding thoughts there, Kieran, in terms of Galway's one-point win over Kilkenny? Yeah, I think it was an exciting game. I suppose the way it played out, you know, it was kind of tit-for-tat all the way along. Um, I suppose some big points for me was uh, TJ being taken off at half time. D- didn't look like he was carrying a knock, you know. Like, to be fair, okay, he'd missed. He'd missed two handy frees, but you know he'd scored. I think one just before. Like they were playing into the wind. You know, I suppose they could they could have given him five or ten minutes in the second half just to see how he was going. But like, uh, I think Kenny would probably, you know, I think as everyone thought going into it that TJ would have been playing, you know, full forward in front of the goal, but he wasn't. He was out around Roman, and you know maybe he just doesn't, doesn't have the legs for that anymore. Um, it's good to see Connor Whelan getting back in. I suppose he got 25, 30 minutes under the belt. You know, he'll have. A, I think they're playing Westmead, is it? Or 
Yeah, well, they've leash, leash next game, so I suppose he can, you know, get get more game time and get ready for, you know, last game against Dublin. Kilkenny, typically Kenny, they're just, you know, they're, they're not beaten till they're beaten. Uh, I suppose Galway, we were praised on the week before for their, their um, you know, for how they consistent they were and, you know, their efficiency in front of goal, but like 18 wides, now maybe a lot of that could be put down to the, the breeze coming in, you know, but uh, playing in Salt Hill. But um, I was I was impressed with with Galway. Um, I think uh, Cooney and Monaghan, you know, superb games. Two of them moved to wing. I think they were named in midfield, but playing wing forward, you know, uh, two exceptional years the two of them were having. And I suppose just touching on the free at the end, I don't think it should have been a free. I think that uh, Deegan got to the ball. You know, I think he was, he come 15, 20 yards, eyes on the ball, he, he got the ball, and I think it was a harsh free. Yeah. Rory, we'll bring you in there. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I suppose just to, to start with the free, I suppose it was funny how Galway's two games have kind of swung on a free at the end, wrongfully, maybe against Wexford, where the ball was, mm. the free was taken off them, and then to win it with a free that, yeah, to be, to be, I can see how the ref did give in that he came and there was a big collision and all the crowd roared or whatever and in the heat of the moment how he could give the free. But there was a couple of soft frees they got coming out of the backs before that, I thought. Uh, Dahi Burke got one and, and Garoad McNerney got one and I was miffed at a couple of those frees a couple of minutes before that. But yeah, it was actually near the end where uh, you were on about the 18 wides, Cairn, that uh, Galway started kind of shooting and they hadn't been doing it in the first half, shooting from kind of crazy angles out by the sideline and they hit three in a row wide there from the same corner, the, the top right corner is looking at from the telly and uh, yeah, there were kind of moments but I suppose then like the, we were on about who would stand up for Galway with Joe Canning gone and uh, in, in fairness like David Burke chipped in with a point near the end in a crucial stretch of the game, Con Cannon was superb I thought, really was a thorn in the Kilkenny full back line throughout like he showed good leadership and then Conor Cooney whose leadership I've questioned in, in recent podcasts here but he did nail the free and not just that one in the first half um, he, he hit some great long range frees as well so uh, I think uh, of all things Shefflin will be delighted that like you know Kilkenny did come thundering into the game second half and show everything at them and, and even to concede a soft goal and it was a very soft goal ones like you know he shouldn't be giving away in a tight game like that but then to respond and uh you know get the win was massive for them and uh just in terms of you were talking about the quality of it mark like i, I thought for effort it was just uh, like limerick and waterford both teams physically thundered into it, but yeah didn't quite have the you know the, the kind of class or whatever of the calum lines and uh you know and, and from a limerick point of view uh burns is you know uh, the, the, what we saw in the gaelic rounds the week beforehand wasn't quite up to that that was my own view looking at it, but it's still made for a great game. And you like, it does look like, and I'm going to say this now, it does look like Leinster is that bit behind the Munster Championship at the moment. But at the same time, one-off games, you would not be surprised if Galway or Kilkenny taken out any of the Munster teams. But are they going to go and win in All Ireland? Would take out, you know, win two or three games back to back? I don't know. I actually don't. Know. But yeah, as I said, great game. And, and for God, with Connor Whelan, you know, he looked fair rusty. It just shows missed two weeks of inter-county training. He looked fair rusty compared to what he was in the first half against Wexford. Um, when he came on, missed a great goal chance from the rebound where he kind of pulled and hit the ground and it trickled out wide. And at that stage, that would really have, you know, put God in, in the driving seat and they wouldn't have had that squeaky bum finish that they had. But yeah, um, great game, a huge win for Galway and a kind of more or less like with Leash coming up, you could say Galway are more or less true in, in a way. Um, even if they lose the last game, they probably have enough done. Seven points. They've certainly put the pressure on Wexford, haven't they? <clears throat> Given that result uh, against Kilkenny, because I know Wexford have to go to Kilkenny and UPMC, Northern Park, on the final round. And conceivably, Dublin travelling to Galway in Pierce Stadium, I think, to be perfectly fair, it's uh, it's looking a bit, kind of, uh, a bit ominous for Wexford right now. But I suppose for Galway... The reaction really coming from the locals here really is the defensive kind of frailties, particularly at the back, uh, particularly with Donnelly's goal. Now, credit to Aina Murphy straight after it then. He spots uh, he spots the Galway kind of player in the middle third, creates the, the free. But I, again, there's some people here that are really questioning Aina Murphy in terms of distribution and maybe shot-stopping ability a little bit. But all in all, I think Galway, that's a massive win for him. And Finton Burke as well, the two-line sideline cuts were absolutely incredible as well. 
But um, I think all we also have the conundrum in the full forward line. Concanon's very much a full forward. And if you have Connor Whelan there, maybe you're diluting Concanon to a certain extent. So I think that will be intriguing to see where the Connor Whelans will be. Will he be 13? Will he be 12? Will he rotate with Concanon? So I think there's options there for Shefflin, but I suppose the handshake as well was a bit awkward. Even when I was in Spain watching the game, you know, I thought the TV had kind of uh, frozen there uh, when I saw the, the pause of the handshake. But uh, yeah, I think plenty been made of it, but that just goes to show Cody's competitiveness, isn't it? <laughs> it was just not very happy in terms of what transpired, particularly in the last five, 10 minutes. So I think all in all, I think it was a, you know, a very exciting game and, yeah, it all kind of bowls well. I mean, Leisure facing Galway in round four on the weekend of the 14th-15th. Dublin Kilkenny is probably the, the block office um, game. And Wex, Wexford travelling to Westmead. And then all set up for round five and a, a, bit, a few fireworks. One thing, Mark, I just want to bring in about Wexford there. One that really bad for me is that uh, Lee Chin started uh, against Leash. You know, I just really can't get why he didn't start against Dublin. You know, to me, that Dublin game would have been one of the games Wexford would have been looking at, you know, on targeting, you know, and like six, seven days apart, you know, was he any fitter against, you know, for Leash that he would have been against Dublin? You know, I think just a big question mark for me why, you know, that, that match would have been 50-50, I think, anyway. You know, I think if he had he started, you know, it could have been a difference of uh, the, the game going in their favour. Yeah, fair point there, Kieran. Uh, Maybe it was just fitness and conditioning, maybe, from Lee Chin's perspective. Gets another week or two under his belt, and then gets a bit of a game against Leash, another game against Westmead, and then the big one, I think, in round five. I think that's where, I think, Dar Egan's really aiming for Lee Chin to start from the start and really dominate in that half-forward line for Wexford. But, yeah, it's, it's fair points, really, if, you know, coming on a substitute. That was a real key game for uh, Wexford, given the result against uh, Galway. Um, maybe we can go back to Munster really in one game on tap this weekend uh, Tipperary travelling to the TUS Gaelic grounds uh, fairly depleted in terms of some of the forward line options but uh, guys what's your initial impression here of uh, Tipperary coming in any hope any optimism for the Premier County in this match uh, maybe we start with Rory first uh, yeah well we spoke about their hope earlier it's in their under 17 and under 20 teams but at the moment at senior level I can't see it for them. Um, I suppose, look, th- th- there was a promising performance against Waterford and people can say whatever this Waterford weren't up, you know, were kind of caught cold. And But Tip were impressive that day in patches like they hurled well for, for part of it. Um, defensively in trouble and against Clare were really exposed defensively. Like there could have been five or six goals against them in the first half alone. Um, so, and it's probably, and the worrying thing like for them is at the other end now where they had that bit of experience, John McGrath, um, now out and unfortunately with a, a season-ending injury, he, he, uh, ruptured Achilles. Jason Ford out. Um, Seamus Callan won't be back. I, I hear won't make this game. So you're looking at half the forward line missing as well. So yeah, it it is kind of real time do or die and step up for for the younger guys who forced their way in this year. But it is hard to see anything but a Limerick win. And by all accounts, you're looking at Flanagan back this week. And Hayes is probably there if they want to use him as well. And uh, yeah, just as we mentioned there, Munster and Leinster Championship, it, like you can almost at the moment say after two rounds, you know, Clare Limerick Waterford are probably the three teams going to qualify. But in Leinster, it's g- going to come down to the wire uh, in the last couple of games, which is probably the opposite way of what we might have thought. But uh, look, um, yeah, it, it's you, you'd have thought beforehand if you were saying uh, Limerick and Tip, especially after, let's say, last year's Munster final and the way. Uh, Tip performed in the first half that they'd have some hope this year, but it's hard to see you now. Things have changed so much since last year's championship, and uh, yeah, it's hard to see anything but Limerick with a, a double-digit win. Yeah, Karen, uh, bring you in. Yeah, I mean, I just actually saw a list of players that I suppose if Colin Bonner was looking at taking this job last year, and these players are Tipper Rayman, I suppose they're, they're just not available at the minute. So you have Seamus Cannon, Bubbles, Jason Ford, John McGrath, Willie Connors, Connor Bow, Kieran Connolly, Niall O'Mara, James Quigley, Brian O'Mara. And if you add Brenda Mara and Potty Mara to that list as well, that's 12, you know, what I would consider very good players, you know, that are not available for selection to, to honour. 
I hear a lot of people during the week talking about revenge for the All-Ireland semi-final in 09. And, uh, you know, I don't think John Kiley's going to be pulling that out of the lads during training. But it's kind of a thing, maybe it could go two ways. Maybe Kiley will see this as an opportunity without being, you know, really overconfident to try to give the younger lads a few games. You know, I think you might see uh, Cahill O'Neill start. You might see, obviously, Flanagan getting some game time. There's also a word of maybe Hayes being back in. You might see him getting game time. Yeah, look at you'd never think as a Limerick man to be saying this, but yeah, I think Limerick will, will uh, at least 10 points win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, from a temporary perspective, I really don't have anything to lose here, do they, guys? I mean, given that injury, this, you know, it's a free shot for them going into the Lions' den per se. Now, record of tipping the Gaelic grounds historically you know you probably me Roy there to start a podcast about Cork and Turles being the traditional home and all that sort of second home for Cork but uh, I suppose for Tipperary as well they've no fear of the Gaelic grounds but I suppose the personnel there I suppose the key positions here would be 3, 6, 9, 12, 15 or 14 for me and to be perfectly fair who goes in at full back Quigley was tried at full back Nice hurler. Um, again, gets injured early against Clare. I'm just wondering here that it tried to kind of solidify things a little bit in that full back line. Maybe a Barry Heffernan, Ronan Marr going back there. Um, I would put Bonner Marr in at full forward against Mike Casey. To be per- perfectly honest, I think it's tailor made for Bonner Marr from Laura Dora um, to literally go in there and put some direct ball in to the full back line of Limerick and really test them out early. Um, but then I think half forward midfield I think there is there are glaring kind of maybe squad depth gaps there maybe do we see Billy Seymour come in I know he's in the reserve squad for uh, Tipperary at the moment but I mean not a bad guy to maybe bring in with the physicality you know he's good eye for goal as well given that like Jason Ford's gone they do need a bit of physicality up there in the full forward line um, that really kind of help out Jake Morris as well who has been very in and out of games mm. but again I'm probably swaying with you guys as well but I think Tipperary they kind of went to the highs in Waterford, the lows against Clare. They're somewhere in between. And I think they will give Limerick a run for their money here for a good 40 minutes here. I think there's plenty of pride on the line here for an awful lot of the Tipperary panel. I think Bonner and Tommy Dunn, you know, this the the 12-week ban got upheld. I think a little bit of motivation from a Tipperary panel perspective to really kind of maybe produce a performance, whether win, lose or draw, put a bit of pride back in the jersey. So... But yeah, I'm still looking at probably a 9-10 point win for Limerick going away. And it'd be fascinating to see Flanagan. Also, I think Kyle Hayes to a certain extent here, Karen as well. The way he kind of limped off against Cork. How good is that hamstring at the moment? You know, you don't want to be kind of rushing these guys back and then kind of getting a keen Lynch injury, which we don't really know much in terms of his long-term prognosis in terms of his injury. But I mean, you don't want to be forcing these guys back too much uh, heading into maybe a potential Ireland series. Okay. No, no, but you might see him, you know, give a few minutes, um, you know, I suppose keep fresh. Uh, I don't think, I suppose they're, Limerick are lucky that they're in the position now that they're not going to have to risk lads for the sake of a result. I think, you know, without being overconfident, they're probably, you know, this game hopefully would be a foregone conclusion. And, you know, sitting on six points going into the last game against Clare, you know, I think we're probably as good as guaranteed the Munster final position. Maybe we'll take the foot off the throttle and be nice to our neighbours for once. Yeah, I, I don't see that happening because just for the sake of like, players, like let's say Keane Lynch missing and you, Cahill O'Neill has a chance maybe to start now and stake a claim for a place. And uh, like you're going to have the likes of Flanagan returning and like the competition for places is going to ramp up. So any guy who's a starting jersey against Tip is going to really like forgetting about you know, all Ireland semi-final beatings of of the past or whatever. They're just going to want to go out there and hurl, you know, hurl as well as they can to to hold on to a jersey, and that's that's probably enough motivation for guys as well going into a match. And yeah, you just kind of the only thing you do wonder is like the players, you know, they're exposed to like the public all week, telling them that you know, um, you know, this is a foregone conclusion. You're, you know. What will you do? Will you rest player? This, that. And it, it, I know they have all the sports psychology and Caroline Carr is, you know, probably one of the top 
of these people at, at the game, but it does seep into teams no matter what happens, no matter what. It is hard to block it all out. And I'm sure Waterford heard a bit of it as well before round one after their league final performance, how great they were. And sure, Derek McGrath was telling the whole country how great they were. So, um, you know, it does, like, it, no doubt about it, even professional teams, that does affect them. So you, you just the only thing to counter that, as I mentioned, is the whole playing for places will... Um, you'd imagine would, would hopefully counter that for, for a Limerick point of view. But uh, Tipperary, again, like uh, as Mark said, that, like, it is a free shot for them and it's a chance for guys to basically say, you know, especially the younger lads, I'm going to be, you know, tipsy in your heart for the next 10 years. I'm going to nail down a number nine spot or a seven spot, whatever it is. But yeah, the question question over number three is, is a big one, I think. And uh, I think, yeah, they should put Heffernan back in full back. Um, I don't know what Ronan Maher, like, uh, he, he's good under a puck out, under a long puck out, and maybe pace-wise could be exploited at full-back, so it might get away with it a bit more in a half-back line under a high ball. So maybe I'd leave him out there, but, um, yeah, it, it, it is it is looking ominous at the weekend, whatever way we kind of look at it, and uh, it is hard to say anything, but... but uh, who yeah. also, I think the question of uh, the free-taker as well, you know, obviously with four missing, so, you know, you're probably going to, I don't know, maybe Noel McGrath or... I'm I'm sure a lot of these guys probably are free takers for their clubs, but yeah. the big difference taking frees for a club and then you know inter county, but um, you know I'm sure they're all headaches to Bonner has to deal with this week. Mm. But it, do you know I wonder had Ford an injury got into the Clare match because all he did against Clare was eight frees. I don't even remember him being in possession like maybe once or twice from play. He and has been poor. Him. He has been poor the last two games in play. I don't think he scored from play. I just wonder had he, had he something wrong with him going into it because he was on fire in in a couple of league games early on in the league and you're you're kind of ex- expecting him to maybe have to carry a you know a big burden for the tip team mm. this year but that didn't happen for him in in the opening two rounds anyway. Mm. Yeah, like he, he won't be there. I think Cannon as well as big loss. Maybe you're gonna see like Paddy Cadell come in, Brian McGrath potentially at halfback as well if they're gonna put Ron Amara in there and maybe making sure that Barry Heffernan's in the midfield. Um, Michael Breen as well, probably middle of third. But yeah, there's it's that squad depth, isn't it? Like clearing the bench after 40 minutes. It just it, it's a very tall order here for Tipperary. But you know, local derby game where myself and Kieran are from originally in Limerick. You know, we're not a million miles away from Newport and pretty passionate Tipperary supporters. So they'd be well riled up to come into the Gaelic grounds and do a job on Limerick. So uh, yeah, we won't count our chickens just yet, Kieran. But uh, you know, you'd have to suspect that if Limerick are focused, put on a performance. They should have plenty to probably get past, but we'll probably have egg in our face next week. Um, yeah, guys, um, we'll leave it there. Um, thanks very much, Rory and Kieran, for your thoughts, and we'll probably run the rule over the Limerick Tipperary uh, Munster Senior Hurling Championship game and look at the Munster Leinster Senior Championship Brown Four games. Uh, many thanks, guys. Cheers, Mark. Cheers, Mark. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.